This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. World War II radio podcast. Today we have the final episode of Nazi Eyes on Canada, a radio play produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. The series warns Canadians of the danger of Germany and imagines a future where the Nazis have conquered Canada. This episode aired on October 25th, 1942 and stars Orson Welles. The World War II radio podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast, where you can find links to past episodes as well as the books featured in our podcasts. So thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. cities from the air, and of the Gestapo with the heavy hands of murderers. 
His Majesty reviewed them that day. He walked among them, talked with them. And another day, he and his radiant queen lost themselves in the crowds of veterans at the war memorial. A Galiter of Canada's reviewed them today, Sam. A Galiter who once spied upon Canada under the name of Colin Ross. That renegade who told the German people of the prize they would one day have in this land called Canada. He's here today and claiming that prize. There are veterans here again, Sam Dorman. Veterans of the conquest of Poland and Norway and France. Veterans of the conquest of England and the United States and Canada. You're among those veterans, Sam. But you're marching as their prisoner. Marching up the long walk to the Peace Tower. Your hands bound behind your back. Level guns pointed at you. Gleaming bayonets cleaned of the Canadian blood they've tasted. Ready to drink your blood if you try to escape. Now, up those steps where Canadians went to their parliament to debate in free speech. Up those steps, Sam Dornan. Your head high. Your eyes burning your hatred and defiance. March on. Ahead of you is the great vaulted room where your parliament met. You're the last symbol of Canada's freedom. A country newspaper editor. Now a name to be blazoned in the press of a German world as the rebel leader of free men who will be tried by Nazis. There in the great vaulted room where Canada's freedom lives. There it will die. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Orson Welles speaking. The scene you just heard would not normally have been played for another 25 minutes. The closing scene of tonight's chapter of Nazi Eyes on Canada. I deliberately put it at the beginning because it serves to introduce a great Canadian and the spirit he represents. It tells in one brief moment what might be the fate of this country and of all its Sam Dornans if we lost this war. I never heard of Alameda, Saskatchewan, until midnight last night. Some of you in the radio audience probably know the town. Most of you never heard the name. I didn't meet Sam Dornan until last night. How many of you in Canada know him, I don't know. It's a safe bet that 95% of you listening haven't heard of him. You probably read some of his editorials. But you didn't know Sam Dornan wrote them, maybe. You see, Sam is a newspaper editor in Alameda, Saskatchewan. A town of 300 people. The country newspaper is an important part of democracy. They're exchanged all across the Dominion. And even the great city dailies sometimes quote from them. Sam's traveled here at his own expense 1,500 miles to join me in this broadcast <clears throat> as part of the third victory alone. You traveled here from Hollywood to give your time and talent on the broadcast, Orson. Why shouldn't I come east to help, too? Well, Sam, country newspaper editors aren't supposed to travel great distances and stories and movies. They never leave their own section. Oh, they do. That's one way we've been able to keep the small-town newspaper of power in the land. I was one of the newspaper men on the royal tour. And uh, when you get to know the rest of your country and the people in it, you forget your prejudices. And you think more of building a nation. And because the small towns of a nation have always made so great a contribution to the life and leadership of that nation... You and the town of Alameda, Saskatchewan, have been elected as the basis for our story tonight. 
In every such town, there are a few men who carry the load of civic responsibility. Let's tell Canada about the men of Alameda, Sam. Well, there's Harley Truscott. He's our town clerk. Harry Truscott. Yes, he's organist of the church. Well, the uh, former organist, Orson. Our former organist and teacher of the Bible class. He's band leader at Sioux Camp during the last war. Is that right? That's right. Historian of the community. Right. Harry Truscott, town clerk of Alameda. Got my tax bill there, Harry? <laughs> yes, certainly, Jim. Are you going to clean it up? Completely. Good crop. Got my hands in some money for the first time in many a day. Uh, it's going to be a swell feeling to look in that bureau drawer and... Not see any bills except those that are marked paid in full. Here it is. And here's the money. How's the family? Never better, Harry. John, uh, the eldest boy, you know, uh, he got his wings down east the other day. All set to go overseas and knock down a few of the Huns. He's number 43 on our honor roll, Jim. Yeah, quite a few names since he's, though. Yes, 75 of them now. Not bad for a town of 300 people, is it, Jim? 75 of them now. Not bad for a town of 300 people, is it, Canada? Four of them are Sam Dornan's sons. Harry Truscott keeps the role of men in uniform. Keeps in touch with them wherever they are. Scarcely ever goes to the post office for the mail without having Fred Fisher, the postmaster, hand him a whole handful of letters. And the boys of Alameda were in uniform. Overseas mail in today, Harry. Oh, any for me? <clears throat> Six or seven. From the thickness of them, they must have been written by a whole platoon. A great bunch of boys. I got one from young Bill. He says they're in advanced training, and they're hoping that means action soon. Make you so to wish you were as young as you were in the last war, Fred, and in it again? I flew bombers last time. Sort of despised the infantry. But, Harry, I'd give anything I've got or ever hoped to have to be with our boys in the South Saskatchewan Regiment right now. The South Saskatchewan Regiment. Those are the lads who couldn't be stopped at Dieppe, weren't they? The regiment that went three miles beyond Dieppe and whose colonel got the Victoria Cross. The regiment that drew its men from the farms and villages and cities of the Saskatchewan prairies. Made them into soldiers and sent them into the flaming hell of Dieppe. To write another epic chapter in the war records of Canada. The men of Dieppe were the boys of such towns as Alameda. The boys who wrote their long, homesick letters to Harry Truscott and Fred Fisher and Ed Slack. Ed Slack, the general storekeeper and butcher and mayor of Alameda. Oh, well, well, what's this? What is this? A meat-buying delegation of hungry husbands or a posse come to lynch the mayor? What's well, uh, you might have the constable get busy on the job of cutting the grass down along the sidewalks. Oh, no, I guess that can wait till after the victory loan, though. Uh, we uh, we decided to have an emergency meeting, Ed, and oh. instead of sending for the mayor, we thought we'd just move them out into Muhammad. Oh. Now, if you're <laughs> casting aspersions on my weight, I mean... They... <laughs> you know, fellas, it's too bad Sam Dornan is down east. We ought to have him here. And yeah, Johnny right. Gordon, too. Say, did you tell John... Uh, Johnny, no. Did yeah. I hear someone using my name Come in vain? Come on in, Come on in here. Well, now, look, uh, let's get the meeting underway before someone comes in to argue about the price of pork chops. <laughs> All right. Let's get along with it. I've got things to do. I can't stay long. Well, Harry, you know the story. Suppose you talk. All right. That's like this. Our quota in the victory loan was set at $7,500. We got that the first day or two. Sam Dornan had to go down east, and when he left yesterday, he was carrying the story to Waterwall that we had sold $20,000 worth of bonds. Yes, more than doubled our quota. Tripled it, practically. Well, I think there are people in Alameda who would still buy more if we gave them the chance. 
Now, how about it? Sure, I certainly agree to that. How about you? So do I. There's one way of finding out, and that's to get out and ask him. Nothing like shoe leather and door wrapping to get things done. What are you waiting for? Close up the shot, Ed, Ed, and let's get going. I want to wire Sam Dolan tomorrow that we've got $30,000 in victory bonds. $30,000. Their quota was only $7,500. That's what they did in the second victory loan. That's what they're doing again this time in the third victory loan. These are the kind of people you'll find out there in Alameda. Out there where the Alameda Dispatch is published by Sam Dornan. Where Ed Slack, the butcher and mayor, and Harry Truscott, the town clerk, and Fred Fisher, the postmaster, and Johnny Gordon, the implement dealer, are the men who shoulder the load of leadership in every job that'll help the community or the nation. They're the kind of men who believe in this country. The kind of men who built it. Intend to pass it on to the next generation better than it was when they entered it. They're the kind of men who believe in freedom. Freedom of speech. Why, of course, they can hold a meeting. And so long as I'm mayor of this town, anyone who wants to express an opinion is going to have the right to say what he thinks. Freedom of the press. I sold the Alameda dispatch to Sam Dornan back in 1913. The unwritten part of the contract was the thing we didn't have to speak about. But so long as that paper was published, it must speak the truth and speak it clearly. Freedom to worship. There will be no religious hatred or persecution in this town. Man has a right to worship his God as he sees fit. Well, that's the way it's been since I came here in the Knox Guard in 1894. And that's the way it's going to be so long as this town stands. Freedom of action. Freedom from want. Freedom from fear. We've known drought on the prairies. We've known the tragedy of the Dust Bowl. We've been broke and had to start all over again. All of us. But there's never been a time when we didn't share with others. Never a time when the spirit of those who built this nation and of those who first settled the prairies was not upon us. Ours is a land of infinite opportunity. And we'll keep on working and planning and praying for the better days that must come for all. That, Sam Dornan, is your Alameda. It is, and God willing, we'll keep it like that. Yes, but what if we lose this war? What if all that Hitler planned should come to pass? What if someday in the future Nazi eyes on Canada should become Nazi feet on Canada? What then? You saw the tragedy coming, Sam. Your Alameda dispatch cried out the warning. But too many of us were unwilling to give up our own way of life, our pleasures, our luxuries. When Canada and the United States fell before the German and Japanese onslaught, it wasn't enough to have courage. We needed courage and weapons. The one was not sufficient without the other. So there came that day in 1945, when at last the Nazis occupied the prison. You are the mayor of this community? I am. And you, who are you? I am town clerk. Well, that's very good. You'll both continue in office at my pleasure. You'll do what I tell you to do. You'll sign the papers that are placed before you. You will collect the taxes you're told to collect. You understand? We understand. 
But that doesn't mean it will do it. So? I think you will. You see, gentlemen, you've no choice. I have a large area of these prairies to administer. I can't waste my time debating with insignificant officials of equally insignificant villages. You'll have 24 hours in which to think this matter over. In the meantime, you'll be in the hands of these guards. I advise you not to annoy them. They unfortunately have short tempers. If you don't mind, I'll take that honor roll with me. Uh, you'll have no use for it. It means a lot to me. Oh, really? Give it to me. Now, these are the men of Alameda who left home and family to fight for king and country. That's very pretty. Quite a list of names, too. I don't think you'll have any further use for that. The men won't return to their homes and families. Such of them as may yet be alive will be occupied in rebuilding the industries and cities we found it necessary to destroy. You filthy German dog! I should kill you, my impetuous Canadian. That you may be useful for a time. Now, where's this man who was your newspaper editor? I don't know. And you, they tell me you, you are his closest friend. Where is this, this Sam Dornan? That's something you'll have to find out for yourself. Not a man, woman, or child in Alameda who would tell you where he is. Oh, you think not? Well, you shall see. He's not only escaped from this village, but he's taken his printing press. He continues to publish his paper. He seems to have found means of distributing it. Now, we shall find those who act for him, and they shall lead us to him. If not, one by one, each of you in this village will be put to death. One by one, each of you, all of you, will die. Is this Sam Dornan loves his own people? He won't let you die. That was a hard choice to face, wasn't it, Sam? You had your choice. Keep on printing the truth, letting the people of the prairies read that truth. And seeing your friends and neighbors die. Or you could surrender. Give up the fight and save their lives. You heard about the threat. You knew about it within an hour after the Goliath spoke. Nothing was done. Till your paper found its way from hand to hand all over South Saskatchewan the next week. Johnny, have you seen the dispatch? It was under my door this morning. That crazy Sam Dornan. God bless him. Ah, this will be one issue that won't be slipped into the pockets of the Germans like he's been doing. It's full of interest, full of ideas. Burn the grain elevators. Burn the crops that haven't been harvested. Yes. Sam's got the right notion. We'll do it. When? Tonight. Tell anyone you see to come to my shop. There'll be cans of fuel waiting for them. I take care of the grain elevators myself. The others can go out to the field. Right. I God, this will be one crop of grain that won't go to Germany. That was a night to be long remembered. Wasn't it, Sam? The fire that was lighted that night carried a message beyond the horizon. It told others what to do. And more fields flamed against the night. More grain elevators became beacons of rebellion. Beyond Esteban, beyond Weber, on even to Regina, the flames spread that night. In the morning, the gold of the prairies had become a charred and blackened waste. The wind swept the ashes as it had once swept the dust. But there was a price to be paid, Sam. A price the Germans exacted for the loss of that grain. You have one last chance to escape death. 
Any among you who will tell where Don and Prince's paper or give us one clue as to his whereabouts to be given his life and a rich reward? Now speak. So, I know that twelve of you, you will die. Tomorrow, twelve more. Day after that, twelve more. Each day, twelve, until someone tells. You who stand here have wives and children, they'll be among those who follow you if you don't speak. Five seconds left. I should count. One, two, three, four, five. machine gun execution from your hiding place, Sam, didn't you? You suffered the agony of Gethsemane then. You fought yourself. You almost ran out to give yourself into their hands. But you didn't. You steeled yourself. So long as there was a chance to save Canada. So long as there were others somewhere fighting as you were fighting, you'd keep on. The Alameda Dispatch became well-known in those days, Sam. It was a strange-looking newspaper that appeared in far places. Look. Look what I found in my toolkit today. The newspaper. The Alameda Dispatch. I've heard of it, but how did it get clear out here to Edmonton? Well, someone said they found a thousand of them in a cattle car. Here. Take a look at that editorial on the front page. Oh, I was pretty discouraged until I read that. Now... Now I'll fight. I'll keep on fighting so long as there's a Nazi left in Canada. I have a report that this paper has been found in one of our own aeroplanes in Halifax. Where is this man, Dornan? Find him. Find him, I tell you. I'll, I'll give lashes to every one of you. Don't you understand? This paper was found on the desk of the Supreme Commander in Ottawa. It will come to the attention of the Führer that we failed to stop the wave of rebellion in Canada. They'll find on and offer a reward of any amount for him dead or alive. He must be stopped or all we've done in Canada will be destroyed. Strange, isn't it? What one man can do, Sam Dornan. When Canada lay prostrate under the German heel. When all the terror they could unloose had seemingly destroyed our initiative, our courage, our hope. You lighted a flame on the prairies. It spread. Other men took up the task. Other papers appeared. Secret radio stations were heard. All crying out the one message of freedom. Freedom from tyranny. Rebellion swept over the country. Yes, the Nazis paid a bitter price for the victory they'd won. But then, there came the new legions from abroad. The steel-clad armies that were ordered to break the Canadian rebellion. And they did, Sam. You remember. By sheer weight of numbers and armament, of planes and guns... 
and ruthless murder. They put us under their heel again. But still, they hadn't found you. Your voice was still heard. Your paper still published less often now. Sometimes it was only a tiny page of wallpaper covered with your pleas to fight on. You must have felt terribly alone in those last days since. All the old friends were gone. Harry and Ed and Johnny and Fred. The men of your own profession across the country. One by one, they too had been liquidated in the German revenge. And then... Then came the end. Somebody betrayed you, Sam. Someone who was starving, or someone... Someone who thought to save the life of his children. You'll never know who it was. They took you at last. And made you the central figure in Germany's final conquest of Canada. country newspaper editor from a town of 300 people in Saskatchewan. Looking up at the peace tower of the parliament buildings in Ottawa. Looking up at a Nazi swastika. There, in that great archway, was where I saw their majesty standing before their people of Canada. It was a great day, that, for all of us. That was 1939, Sam Donner. You've forgotten that this is 1949? Have you forgotten that the tall king, the lovely queen, are prisoners like yourself? Have you forgotten that this is a great day, too? A great day for the Nazis? The plate, God Save the King, that other day, we sang it. The first time most of us had ever sung it in the presence of our own king. They're playing the Horst Vessel song now, Sam Dornan. The song that made a hero out of a beer hall brawler. The song that canonized a gutter rat. There were brave men in uniform here on that other occasion. Men of Canada's Navy, Army, and Air Force. Men in the scarlet tunics of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. There are men in uniform here today, Sam. Men of Germany's Panzer Divisions. That overran Canada, men of the Luftwaffe, who destroyed your cities in the air. Men of the Gestapo with the scarlet hands of murderers. His Majesty reviewed them that day. He walked among them, talked with them. And another day he and his radiant queen lost themselves in the crowds of veterans at the war memorial. The Galiter of Canada has reviewed them today, Sam. A Galiter who once spied upon Canada under the name of Colin Ross. That renegade who told the German people of the prize they would one day have in this land called Canada. He's here today and claiming that prize. There are veterans here again, Sam. Veterans of the conquest of Poland and Norway and France. Veterans of the conquest of England and the United States of a German world. As the rebel leader of free men who will be tried by Nazis. There. In the great vaulted room. Where Canada's freedom lived. There it will die.
the Honorable J.L. Ilsley, Minister of Finance, has asked me to express to you the appreciation of the people of Canada for your kindness in bringing to us the story of Alameda. Thank you, and Godspeed in your work for victory. Thank you. Just before I go, there's one more thing I want to say to those who are listening. There are only two groups of people in our radio audience tonight. Just two. There's one group of you who have already purchased your victory bonds, purchased them to the limit of your capacity. The other group of listeners are those of you who have not yet been visited by victory loan salesmen. To all of you listeners, no matter which group you're in, let me urge you in deepest seriousness to go over your figures again. You have already pledged yourself to victory loan bonds. Have you done your utmost? You are just now figuring how much money you're going to lend to the government before the next two weeks are up. Have you planned on personal self-denial to the point where your conscience is clear? Each one of you must consider this question. If you don't help provide the money for this victory loan, who else will do it? Nothing matters now but victory. This program was based on the book Nazi Eyes on Canada, translated from the German by Duncan and Lyle Cameron. was under the direction of J. Frank Willis. This is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation.